This morning, we're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 19. If you'd like to turn there, we're just going to spend just a little bit of time in there this morning. If you would like a Bible, we have some on the edges here. If, if, feel free to help yourself there. Um, we're going to be in Acts 19 this morning. As you're turning there, I want to I set up a question for you, though. And it's simply this. Have you ever heard a story that was so wild and crazy that there was no way that it could ever be true? Have you ever heard something so spectacular, you heard the details and the events that, that happened, and you thought, there's, that, there's just no way, that, that's too incredible of a story, but then as you think about it, you realize that it kind of has to be true, because no one could ever create such an amazing story like that. Something so bizarre would in, half, would in fact have to be true, because you couldn't just make that up on your own mind. Um, Perhaps something so bizarre, a story that's so bizarre that you'd have to write a book or make a movie of it. In fact, we know this to be true, that some of the best movies and the best stories are, in fact, true ones. I was thinking about this um, in terms of movies and, and books. Um, how many of you ever saw the movie Catch Me If You Can? About uh, the famous con artist Frank Abagnale who even as a teenager, conned his way into being a doctor, a pilot, all these things. True story. Schindler's List. The movie 300 about the Spartan Warriors. Cool Runnings. I love that movie. Rudy. College football starting. I started thinking about Rudy. Great story. Lone Survivor. Even things like Anne Frank's diary, these, these incredible stories that we, you read, I mean, you think these are just incredible, they're amazing, but it's even more amazing that they're true. And I, and I was thinking about this, like, maybe that's why the Bible is so great to me. It's because I, I along with many of you in this room, know that, that God's word is true and all the things that happen in it, that this incredible story from Genesis to Revelation is, is unlike anything else that ever existed and the true is, and the same is true with the book of Acts, and particularly Acts 19 that we're going to be talking about this morning. We're going to be talking about Paul's time in the city of Ephesus. And so hopefully your time to be there, if you, if you can go ahead and turn there this morning, I encourage you to do so. We're not going to look at the entire chapter, but I, I know we say this a lot, but I really encourage you, if you have time today or this week, read Acts 19. Here's why. Acts 19 is one of the most crazy parts of the entire Bible. It's certainly one of the craziest in the book of Acts, but Acts 19 is, is wild, what all happens in there. Um, I read it out loud last night, and I timed myself. You can actually read it in less than four minutes if you read it out loud at a fairly decent pace. So I encourage you to do so, but let me give you some of the highlights of what happens in this chapter alone, okay? Baptisms. People speaking in tongues. Prophecy, public preaching with fierce arguments involved, unusual miracles involving healing through bandanas and aprons. Think I'm kidding, go read it. Daily discussions with people in evangelism. There's a demon possession. There is a fight between one person, verse 7, and you may be shocked. Who wins? There's people that believe in Jesus. There's book burning. 
and the good kind, believe it or not. Millions of dollars are lost. There's an internal coup that happens. And to top off the entire chapter, it ends with a riot. A riot of thousands of people. And the, the most interesting part of the riot, is, as Luke records, is that many of the people in the riot didn't even know why they were there. They were just rioting. It's an incredible story, one that could be made into a movie itself. But as I said, we're not going to get into all of it, but it is a very fast-paced, dramatic section of Acts. But in it, we still see something amazing happen, and that is God's plan of bringing the gospel into the world still occurs. That his, his plan to usher in this thing called the church where he uses people to spread his gospel, even in the chaos of Acts 19, it still happens. I want to focus on just one particular section here. So let me give you a little bit of context. So um, about Ephesus and why Paul's here, um, we see that Paul is able to do through his faithfulness, along with some of the other believers, he, he really was able to do some amazing things here. We know, in fact, most of us are aware that eventually Paul would write a letter back to the, to the, the Ephesians, as we know, the book of Ephesians, an incredible book. Um, the the city of Ephesus, as a result of all this, would in fact become a, an important major city to help spread the gospel into Asia. But as we've already seen, it's how the gospel is introduced that it's amazing because Paul has been to Ephesus before, but is very brief. He comes back now for this time, and he's going to stay a lot longer, as we'll see here in just a minute. But God is going to do something truly spectacular as, as a result of that. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Acts 19, starting in verse 8. It says here, And he entered the synagogue for three months and spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But some, um, but when some became stubborn and continued unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with them. Okay. As is often the case, when Paul would enter cities, really the, often the first place that he went to was the Jewish synagogues. He, he wanted to go to the Jewish people and begin reasoning them and talking with them. Um, and as was often also the case, there's often rejection as a result of this, that the Jewish people were not very receptive to Paul and his message. Not all, but particularly the Jewish leadership did not respond well to Paul and his message. But we see here that Paul spent three months in the synagogues. But, it, but notice something here. It says that he was preaching boldly and arguing with the Jewish people and the, particularly the leaders here. And this is important to notice because we see Paul's method here, and a method that was most likely necessary to reach this group of people and the Jewish leaders. Notice that he, it says that he spoke of the kingdom of God, a topic that they would have been very well aware with and one that they could have connected with him about. This is common in the book of Acts. We see Paul and others, as they, as they enter into different groups of people, their method changes in terms of how they bring about the gospel. Their message never does, but how they bring about it is unique. But we know, so he, he does that here. He, Paul caters his discussion here to this particular group. But he spends three months here, and, and sadly, as we see, the only things to show for it seem to be that 
Some became stubborn. They rejected the message. And in fact, this group goes one step further than a lot. It says that they began to speak out against this thing called the way. Now, the way is a phrase that Luke records a few times throughout the book of Acts. It occurs a lot earlier in different contexts. But essentially, when we talk about the way, uh, it essentially is referring to the gospel message and the path that that it it sets forth for us. Okay, So to be part of the way means that you are aligned with, with the teaching of Jesus and who he is, and you're on this, quote, road with, with others together. To be a believer in Jesus meant that you were on a certain road, and this group of people were on a much different road, and they didn't like the other road. In fact, they wanted to set up detours to help steer people away from the road, the way of Jesus. But nonetheless, we see here that Paul, in his faithfulness, he goes to the Jewish people. He crafts his message in order to reach them and begin speaking about things that they would know in order to set up the gospel of Jesus. Even in Paul's great faithfulness and his approach, as even true today, it doesn't always work. There's nothing really else that Paul can do at this point. He's done his job, so he does the only thing he knows to do, which is Go on to the next group of people. So pick back up with me, verse 9 again. It says, When some became stubborn and continued unbelief, they spoke evil against the way before the congregation. He withdrew from them and took disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. I want you to see something here because th- this is my favorite part of this in- incredible uh, chapter in Acts. Okay, it's, it's amazing what happens. So Paul does something here that I think teaches us a lot about the function of the church and particularly how we as members of it are, are called into action. Okay, So when he leaves this synagogue, we, we understand that he, he, he leaves this Jewish central place and, and he goes to reach the Gentiles, the Greeks, as a result. And he goes to this place called the School of Tyrannus. Now, it, we don't know exactly what it is, but most likely with the School of Tyrannus was, was, a, was a Greek school that Paul and this group of believers held daily discussions at. Um, Commentators believe that most likely school happened in the morning and in the evening, and so throughout much of the day, the school was open. They weren't using it for anything, so they seemed to be open to let Paul come in there with, peop- with this group of believers and begin, interestingly enough, they used the phrase, having daily discussions with people. They went every day for two years, but don't skip this part. It says, as a result of this two years, All the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. All the people heard as a result of Paul and this team going to this school. Uh, This ministry proves to be an incredible part uh, of of this bringing the gospel into this major city of Ephesus um, as people would come to hear the word of the Lord. And so I want to comment real quick on this process because I think there is something that we we can learn from it. First thing is this, is that Paul and this team teaches us that we have to go to people. We cannot rely on people just to come to us and ask the things that we believe or the things that we value. 
we have to go to where people are. Okay, Paul went to the synagogue because he knew that's where the Jewish people would be. He knew he could address them there. There was no church really set up yet in Ephesus. Paul had to go to where the people were, and this school seemed to be a great place, as many people would be walking in and out through it. He knew he could engage people there. Second thing, as I already said, our methods must change, but our message must not. Remember, Paul's approach with the Jewish people and the leaders is not the same as it happened here. I love that Luke uses the phrase daily discussions. Don't miss that. That's very important because the discussion implies something different than boldly preaching about the kingdom of God. Notice that the, 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 the Gentiles would not really have known exactly what Paul is talking about when he, when he spoke these things with the Jewish people. Perhaps they would know a little bit, but not to the extent that the Jewish people would. Instead, it says that Paul and his team had daily discussions, and that's a very open-ended term for a reason, because each discussion with people was different. But that's how Paul and his team engaged with people. You know, the word evangelism has a lot of different connotations to it, but let me tell you my, my favorite definition of it that I've, that I've heard. Someone shared with me a long time ago, evangelism simply is the idea of helping people take one step closer to Jesus. And there's, there's a thousand different ways that you can do this, um, but notice that for Paul, at this group of people, it was about the daily discussions, getting to know people, building relationships, hearing their stories, asking what they believe, winning that trust so that they're able to have this conversation of, well, let me tell you what we believe and how that's done. We have to go to people. Our methods must change. Our message must not. Third, the church is a group of people, not a building. You know, I, I along with the majority of you in this room, have, have grown to love this building. I've been here for three years. Some of you have been here for all four. But I really, I have grown to love this actual physical space. I mean, how do you not love this beautiful wood? <laughs> um, we have cold brew coffee here, and I, this is a major topic of discussion of which campus gets it. Please be in prayer for us. It's a very contentious argument right now, but it, but it is. It's, it's a beautiful space. It's, it's one that we have memories in, and so I, like you, have I've grown to love this building, but it's not what makes it special. I, I've used this analogy before that God forbid if something happened and, and a tornado or something caused all the walls of this place to fall down and, and the wood is gone and the cold brew sadly got launched a thousand miles away, this place is still special. We would still gather because church is not a building, it's a, it's a group of people. And it's the people, it's you that make this place special. It's you that God has worked through to create a rich experience. It's why we're here this morning and we're sad, but also joyous. Because the sadness helps indicate why we're also able to celebrate. If you're sad this morning, that's an indication that this place has been used for something special. And we should celebrate that. But nonetheless, the church is not a building. It's a, it's a group of people. It can meet anywhere, anytime. It's one of the things I, I do, I'm excited about the Idlewild campus is that we're not actually in an actual church. We're in a school. 
There's nothing church about it. But it doesn't matter because as a group of people that come together, we can be the church. So whether it's the overall church or it's the local church, it all comes down to people. Finally, as we look at this, this section here, we need to remember the great phrase that we always have to trust in the Lord, especially in things like his timing. Notice here, they spent two years doing this. Okay? They spent two years in daily discussions. Church for this, <laughs> this particular time in Ephesus was daily. The, Paul and this group of believers every day for two years had discussions with people. I, I always wonder, as I was reading through it, I thought, I wonder how many times they got frustrated I wonder how many times they became to be skeptical, like, God, is this really worth it? Every day we're out here, and, I, and I'm sure some days may have been good, but there were probably some days that weren't so great. And yet, two years daily, they're out having discussions with people. And as we already looked at, as a result, all of the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. But remember, you, the people do not hear the word of the Lord without Paul and this team spending two years. In order for that to happen, it took the faithfulness of these, this group two years spending time with one another. That's a major sacrifice. It's a major commitment. And yet, by being faithful, by trusting in God, the word of the Lord went forth. And that's the main point I want to encourage us with today is that God calls us to be faithful in all things. Paul and his team, they didn't have a playbook. They didn't have an evangelism how-to book. Really, we just know that they went. And we know that they adjusted their message, their style. But ultimately, they operated out of their faithfulness to be the church, to be what God has called them to be, to spread the love of Jesus. And when we see when we do that, God takes care of the rest. One of my all-time favorite verses um, is from 1 Corinthians 4. I've, I've shared it in this group probably multiple times, but I, I really love this. As speaking of this idea, Paul says this. He says, and this is how people should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. This, don't miss this next part. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Faithful to pursuing Jesus and bringing the gospel message into our city and world. And because of all that we see here, the greatest thing happens where Paul and this team help usher in the gospel into Asia. A community of people helped another pursue the way of Jesus. And Matthew Z, so that's, my, that's my final encouragement for you today, is that as we think about as we leave this building, that that would ultimately be the case. Uh, that no matter what campus we're a part of, even if you end up going to a different church in this city, that we would learn to be faithful, that we would trust in God for all things and that understand that he can use us great and mighty ways. I'd like to pray for us this morning, and then we're going to, transition our time into a celebration. We've got some other great fun things ahead that we're going to do. Um, but I'm going to invite our band to come up this morning. And would you join me in prayer as we do that?
Jesus, I, uh, I thank you for this, this great chapter in Acts. I thank you for what we can learn for it as a, as a group of people, as a church. And um, God, as we think about what it means to be faithful, may, may you even speak to us individually what that means and how we can better respond to that in our lives. God, and I just thank you now as, as we move into a time of celebration uh, that even as, as we celebrate what happened in Ephesus um, thousands of years ago, that, God, we can do the same thing here of how you've used this particular campus. Um, God, thanks for this morning. Thanks for the chance that we do have to celebrate all that you've done. It's in your great name that we pray. Amen.